Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Quike is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Well, good evening. I'm sorry. Good afternoon, Trekkies and Trekkers around the world. It's time for a very special episode of Trek Talking and Beyond because we're here on Christmas weekend. Normally we'd be on Thursday night, but we moved it to Saturday because of Christmas for those of you who celebrate. Christmas for the rest of you who don't, well, just sit back and relax and enjoy some Trek Talking with myself, Uncle Jim, and my awesome co-host. We'll start out with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? Today, this afternoon? <laughs> Today, I'm doing all right. Had a quiet Christmas. But looking forward to talking yeah. about some sci-fi yeah. today. Oh, we got some great stuff to cover. And we also have with us Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing this morning, Eric? I am doing great. It is 8 a.m. on the West Coast, but, man, I am ready to go because it is like Christmas morning all over again. These two episodes we got to talk about, guys. Oh, my God. Ah! It's great. It's great. What a, a great, great time to be a geek. I mean, I just – I'm mm-hmm. going crazy. I – we could do a whole show. We need another show to talk about this stuff. So we're going to try to squeeze it all in for you guys. I want to let you guys know that our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because Leslie Hoffman has agreed to give away an autographed picture to the first caller uh, to celebrate that we broke 25,000 followers on our Facebook page and... Australia broke the 5%. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But at any rate, Leslie's going to help us celebrate. So if you give us a call at 646-668-2433, anytime between now and the end of our show, if you're the first caller to call, Leslie will send you a nice autographed picture. She's got a lot to choose from. She, you know, she was a nightmare on Elm Street. She's been on Voyager. She's been on Deep Space Nine. But she has a nice picture of her as Bellana Taurus with two Cardassians next to her. And uh, she'll sign it any way you want, any picture that she has. She'll even sign a Nightmare on Elm Street, no running in the hallway picture for you if that's what you'd prefer. But you've got to call us to win it. And the number here is 646-668-2433. I would like to say congratulations to Joy Cranker. Joy called us up on Sunday's episode of Stunt Treks with myself and Leslie Hoffman. And she's a huge fan of Bellana Taurus and uh, Klingons and the Klingon makeup. And uh, she called, and uh, she won a free picture signed by Leslie. You guys can see a picture of Joy holding up that autographed picture on our Facebook page. And we'd love to put your picture up holding an autographed photo as well. But you got to call 646-668-2433 in order to do that. I also want to say that this will be the last time 
that I'm going to have to do the Star Trek news blurt at the beginning because we're going to be covering the final episode of The Mandalorian, which means our next show will be doing Star Trek news again. So just before we start, I just want to let you guys know that Strange New Worlds has started production in Toronto. And that'll be the last time I'll have to tell you guys that because we'll be doing Star Trek news from this point forward. So there you have it. So let's get everything out of the way because we've got a lot to talk about. And for that, we're going to start off with Around the Globe. And I kind of gave you a little little teaser there. But Eric, why don't you fill us in on the, the awesome numbers that we have from last week's show? Well, it's it's amazing, Jim, because the this number for the United States, the percentage of United States listeners keeps dropping because our international audience keeps growing and leading the charge on that, as you said, for the first time breaking 5% uh, themselves and the first time we've actually seen anybody in our international audience break 5% for a while. Australia, you did it. 5.06% of our listeners uh, last week were from Australia. Thank you so much. That. That really means a lot to us, guys. I mean, that means uh, one out of every 20 people that listens to Trek Docking uh, lives in Australia. And I just think that's fantastic. And we're just so happy and so proud to to be part of that family with you guys. So thank you, Australia. Nice work. Now, listen, uh, all your Australian listeners out there, I told you guys if you broke 5%, I have a steel yep. copy of Discovery Season 1. But then Charles brought up an interesting point. I don't know if it'll play in Australia because it's region one. I don't know if Australia is region one or not. I'm not sure. But but I to make it up for you guys, if region one if, if region one DVDs won't play in Australia, I still have an autographed picture of Sarah Mitch who played Lieutenant Arium in season one of Discovery that I could send to you instead. But you got to get in touch with us. I know there's a big huge time difference between Australia and there, but we did have a caller from Australia call us at one point. So if you want to give us a call or I'll make it even easier if you if you're not giving us a call and you're listening to us on Stitcher or iTunes or iHeartRadio or any other podcast provider, just go to face just go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond, and shoot us a message and say, Hey Uncle Jim, I'm in Australia and I listen to the show and and uh, if the DVDs won't play on region one, I'll send you a picture instead. So you can call us and say goodnight night to us live on the radio, or you can message us on our Facebook page. I want to give something to a listener in Australia. I really, really do. There's one particular dude who called uh, a while back, and I'd, I'd love to hear from him. I wish I could remember that guy's name, but I can't. I'm old. I'm senile. But it doesn't have to be you. It can be any one of our listeners in Australia. Give us a call, 646-668-2433, or message us on Facebook. We are so glad to have you along with the ride. So, Eric, why don't you continue on with our international listeners? Well, not far behind Australia, only 0.7 percentage points behind them uh, is the U.K. with 4.32% of our listeners. And hailing from around that same region, Ireland has 3.19% of our listeners. That, that's a total of 7.4-ish uh, percent of our listeners coming from that direct spot on the globe. So thank you guys so much for being part of our family as well. Heading just to the north a little bit and edging dangerously close to 3% of our listeners is Norway. Came out of nowhere months ago. Uh, at Now they hold 2.97% of our listeners. So Norway... 
get a couple more people, and you're going to do it. You're going to break that 3% mark. Thank you so much. Finally, in our number five spot this week, we have not forgotten about you, our brothers and sisters to the north, Canada. They are surging just a little bit, uh, 2.54% of our listeners in that number five spot. So thank you once again to all of our international and domestic listeners. Uh, you all mean a lot to us, and uh, we sure do have fun having you along with us. Jim, what's next? Yeah, we, we love listen, We love all of our international listeners, but we also, we also love our individual listeners on our Facebook page. And what we like to do is we like to give individual shout-outs to people individual people who specifically visit our Facebook page. And you can do that at facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond, spell that all out, A-N-D, and you'll see the live long and prosper symbol. And just tell us where you're from. And every week I will pick out 15 lucky fans. And if you see a little heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means you're going to be on the show. And we just send an individual personal shout-out to individual fans, and we do that every week at this part of the show. And I'll turn things back to Eric to start off with our first uh, round of fan recognition. Well, our number one fan shout-out goes this week to Marina Kalmetter from Munich, Germany. That's right, right in the middle of Europe there. Thank you, Marina, for listening to us. We also would like to say hello and a big thank you to our top fan, Justin Schurl, who lives near Kalamazoo in Michigan. Hello, and thank you very much for listening to Hannah Lavendel from the Switzerland. I always say the Switzerland. It's, in, it's ingrained in me because in German you say die Schweiz, and uh, so I automatically say the Switzerland. Uh, I can't even help it. <laughs> Mark Castle from God Manchester in Cambridgeshire is also a listener, and thank you so much for listening to us, Mark. It's great to have you along. Top fan Victoria Cooper Lucchetti is in great Manchester in the UK, and she's listening to us today. Thanks for reaching out to us on our Facebook page. We're also saying hello and a big thank you to Felicit Nance Carrier from Louisiana here in the United States. And Charles, who's your group uh, hailing, or where is your group hailing from this week? Well, we're going to start off with Maxine Atkinson from South Yorkshire, UK. We got Laura Lossig from Austria. We have top fan Stefano Really from Italy. The Cat That's a fun one. Roddick from yeah. southeast of yeah. France. And Carol Chapa from Texas. Boy, it's an interesting one. What about you, Jim? Well, I'd like to send out a huge hello and a thank you to David W. Blaylock II, who's listening to us from Tennessee in the U.S. of A. And I hope everybody's okay down in Tennessee. Um, our prayers go out to everybody down there. Uh, top fan, Sheena Henderson from Kinghorn, Scotland. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. And also a huge hello and a thank you to another top fan, Kevin Rowley, who says, I'm in the U.K. Represent. We've had a lot of U.K. people uh, today. And we like to say hello and thank you to Adrian Miller, who says, I'm from Ireland. And that's where my grandfather came from as well. 
And finally, last but definitely not least, we'd like to say live long and prosper to Damon Paul Lucas, who's listening in Cincinnati, U.S. of A. You know what, guys? We appreciate each and every single one of you guys, and we couldn't do the show without you. So if you didn't get a shout-out this week, maybe next week. Just tell us where you're from, and every week we pick a few. So now we move on to our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we love it anyways, and we always start off our show with remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. So for that, we turn back to Eric. Eric, who are we going to remember this week? Well, our first remembrance this week goes out to Bill Zuckert, and he comes from, I think, probably one of the most iconic episodes of TOS, uh, Spectre of the Gun. He actually played the sheriff in that old west town. Uh, so Bill Zuckert would have had a birthday this, this week, and uh, we miss him. What a great role. What a great episode. Um, really enjoyed him in that role. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances to Bill Zuckert. We're also uh, remembering this week Ruby Solari, who was from another iconic, uh, I would say, uh, episode from TOS, The Paradise Syndrome. Uh, Ruby played uh, Salish from that episode, um, and uh, very memorable in that role as well, I think. So happy birthday and remembrances go out to Rudy. We're also saying happy birthday and remembrances to James Gregory this week. Uh, he played Dr. Tristan Adams in the TOS episode, Dagger of the Mind, which uh, I think is another one of those ones that sort of um, sticks out to me as one that is uh, everybody has seen it a million times, and his character in particular I think is uh, is is an interesting one. Uh, I'll just put it that way (laughs) in that episode. So great job with that. Um, We do miss James Gregory. And our last remembrance this week goes out to Serena Sandy, who uh, played one of the Talosians uh, in the TOS episode, The Cage. Um, There were several Talosians in that episode, including, uh, you know, the show's good friend, Sandy Gimple. We, uh, the second Telosian is kind of one of the shorter ones that you see behind one of the other ones. Hard to describe, but if you, if you look up who Serena is uh, online, you'll see uh, which character that is. So happy birthday and remembrances uh, to Serena Sandy this week as well. And now to hear from Charles about some folks who are still with us that have birthdays this week. Yep. I know Sarah had a lot of TOS episodes this week. Mm-hmm. We got first Jeff Colbert played... Ico in Voyager's Repentance, and also played Craig in Enterprise's, Enterprises Shadow of the Gem. We have Tim, uh, Timothy Carhart, played C- Commander Christopher Hobson in TNG's Redemption Part 2. Diane Mayer from, played Captain Denatra from Nemesis. And Nicole E. Boyer 
played Ezra Dax in DS9. Not many birthdays on my side. How about your side, Jim? No, but you had some good ones. I think that I think that mm-hmm. Timothy Carhart was a great um, character. Like uh, I don't know what you want to say. Not nemesis, but but uh, character for Data to bounce off. Foil. I thought he yeah. played a great yeah. uh, character. Uh, their relationship really solidifies through that episode. I think, and I think that. Commander Donatra, I think, is one of the best Romulan characters that we've seen, and I, I'm it's disappointing that we didn't see more of her at a later date. Mm-hmm. She just kind of popped in the movie, popped out, got a great card in the Tack Wing, by the way. And, She's actually uh, both of these last. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Jim, and I'll talk about uh, both Timothy and Dina. Turns of Attack Wing. Yeah, Nicole uh, as we Dax. She did. She had a pretty difficult time. I mean. She had to jump in and fill the roles of a beloved character that started with the show and jump right in. And, and here she is, uh, married to war, flirting with Bajir. She's got all these things going on. And I think she did a really good job of, of keeping that character alive. So happy birthday to her. Yeah, and I both of those characters you were just talking about, uh, Chris Hobson has a, an amazing card, uh, When You're Attacking a Cloaked Ship. You get plus one attack die. And, of course, Denatra gives plus one to everybody who's around her ship within range one. So I agree, Jim. I keep my fingers crossed that maybe one day we'll see Denatra show up in, uh, in Picard because, theoretically, she should be around, and she's a Romulan. There's lots of Romulans in Picard. So we might get lucky. Yeah, let's hope so. And we're going to wrap up the birthdays. We've got a couple of really good ones here. We have Andy Dick, who played EMH Mark II in the Voyager episode Message in a Bottle. I thought he was a great character. Um, I don't know what ever happened to the EMHs. They disappeared. But I did like his character, and I did like that episode. So happy birthday to Andy Dick. Uh, the next one is a guy, Nicholas Meyer. And although he wasn't in Star Trek per se, he was very influential in Star Trek and the fact that he wrote Star Trek II and Star Trek VI. I mean, he directed Star Trek II and Star Trek VI and wrote Star Trek IV. And this is where the even-numbered Star Trek thing comes from, that even movies are the best movies. Don't necessarily agree with that, but they're some of the strongest movies for sure. And that's because of Nicholas Meyer. He's just awesome. I had an opportunity... Back in the 90s, unbeknownst to me, he's also a huge, um, uh, uh, what do they call themselves? The people that are into um, Sherlock Holmes. There's a name for them. I um, oh. forgot what they call mm-hmm. them. they got Trekkies and Whovian. The people that are into Sherlock Holmes, there's, a, there's a, like a Trekkie, Whovian. There's a name for them, and I can't remember it because I'm not one of them. I apologize. But down in Bennington College in here in Vermont, they were having a convention. A, uh, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but they were having a um, convention for people that are into that whole, which, which I'm not. That's my ignorance. Google, Google, says, Nicholas Meyer Google says Sherlockians. Sherlock, okay. <laughs> well, he wrote, I guess he wrote this really, really popular Sherlock Holmes book called The 7% Solution, which, again, my ignorance, I have no idea. 
And so he was down there, and he was talking about the book and doing lectures and whatnot. And me and my wife and my friends went there in our Klingon uniforms with our Star Trek Six posters and waited online. We were the only ones there that knew he was from Star Trek. And he signed my poster for me, and he said to me, well, Star Trek follows me everywhere I go. And he was a really cool guy, and I really was really happy I had a chance to meet him. So happy birthday to Nicholas Meyer. I also want to say a huge happy birthday to a new member, one of the newest members of our Star yeah. Trek family, Noel Wells, who plays Ensign Tendi mm-hmm. on Star Trek Lower Decks. Great character. Great character. A lot of people love her. And she's bubbly yeah. and energetic, and, and she's just she's a great, great, great actress, and she plays a great, great character. So happy birthday to Noel. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, finally, the last birthday that we want to send out is another new member of our Star Trek family. Uh, She played Rafi on Star Trek Picard. And, of course, I'm talking about Michelle Hurd. Happy, happy birthday to Michelle Hurd. I uh, recently, well, last year, I bought a gold Picard uniform, the same one that she wore on screen. I got my badge and everything. I got my Klingon head. And I'm ready to go out to Star Trek convention and wave my batlet around in my Picard gold uniform. But I can't. I'm not allowed to. So let's let's uh, hope that the, the vaccine gets out there and then I can get out and wave my batlet around and people can touch it again. And we can all get back to enjoying Star Trek together again. Because that's one of the things that, that makes Star Trek so special for me was meeting all of you great people going out in the public and meeting people that are Star Trek fans and share the same um, interests and beliefs that I do about the future and about things of that nature. And when I go out to a convention and, and some little kid lights up and wants a picture with a Klingon or wants to hold my bat lift and, and it's priceless. I just can't, I can't tell you guys how awesome it is when you can see that happen in person. It's, it's incredible. And I miss it so so much this all this isolation i want to get back out there and i want to meet all of you guys in person so uh i really hope we can do that and that wraps up our birthdays believe it or not we don't have many but we do have some good ones so happy birthday to each and every one of you guys that are still with us and happy birthday to all those people that we're remembering and we have just about two minutes before our First commercial break. Anybody want to say anything about any of the great actors that we've mentioned so far? Well, I just think those last two are great examples of uh, some of the new types of characters that I think Star Trek is casting. I mean, we've got some really strong female characters in some of our new series, and I think that's really special. And you're right. Every time I see Tendi on screen, she just she makes me smile. Literally, the fact that she named an yeah. Exocomp peanut hamper just like. <laughs> makes me giggle to this day and then of course michelle heard is my personal favorite rafi is my favorite character from picard i just think that she not only is she a great actress but her her the way they wrote her character picard needs rafi just as much as rafi needs picard in that show and it's not a codependency it's more like um, they both bring out the best in each other and and i'm just so thankful to have a character like her who has flaws, who you see go through some stuff on screen, and I think that's great because it makes her way more human. Um, and yet she comes back to those Starfleet ideals, you know. 
So I just, yeah, what, what do you say, Charles? I, she's just one of my favorites. I was going to say, remind fans, if you want to get an insider view of Rassi, then you got to go to the you got to go to the novels and comic books. Countdown mm-hmm. Picard and uh, Last Best Hope were t- really made her character more rich. You really you really understood her character a lot more with the backstory. That's mm-hmm. one thing I love about the novels and comics is we get such good backstories, understanding of the details of these characters. And it just makes these characters just so much richer than what the show and, what uh, the shows themselves uh, can do. Yeah. I just want to let you guys know that uh, when we come back, we gotta take our first commercial break, which is right now. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about the Mandalorian and an awesome classic character who made an appearance. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modifius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by Shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. So we're going to be talking about the Mandalorian uh, episode, The Rescue. So before we do that, we've got to get you guys in the mood. <laughs> You guys ready to talk some Mandalorian? Eric, you ready to talk some Mandalorian? Ah, my head is about to explode. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Charles, you ready to talk some Mandalorian? Yeah. All right, I really guys, get to talk about this episode. We are going to do something that I generally do not do on this show when it comes to the Mandalorian. But you know what? The 12-year-old kid in me could not resist. I'm sorry. Resistance Uh-oh. is well, futile. <laughs> I could not do it. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, then, my God, are you alive? Oh. Anyways, we are going to spoil it right now, and I'm going to spoil it in a big, big, huge way that my 12-year-old self just jumped off the couch just going crazy and um, so I'm going to play a little clip for you guys that I just call Luke 
Skywalker and needs no introduction. Enjoy. Where is it? Why isn't it playing? There it goes. It's playing. Are you a Jedi? I am. Come, little one. He doesn't want to go with you. He wants your permission. He is strong with the Force. But talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child. But he will not be safe until he masters his ability.
my God, that that's a, even listening to it without the visuals. Ugh. So, okay, wow. let me say, wow. So, first of all, um, for me, this is the, the scene where Luke Skywalker lands his X-Wing on the ship. And we see this this green lightsaber just slicing his way through these dark troopers. Uh, this is the Star Wars I've been waiting for ever since I saw Return of the Jedi in 1983. We have never... I was so disappointed when we saw old Luke as a hermit drinking blue milk and tossing a lightsaber over his shoulder. This is not the Luke Skywalker I wanted to see. When, when I saw Luke show up with R2-D2 and save the day and we saw the awesome awesome Jedi that we all imagined that he was for real lightsaber, fake hand, black robes, R2 at his side, the whole nine yards. The 12 year old me was just, just screaming out. I was just ecstatic. Even my wife who doesn't really like star Wars that much, even she was like excited that we got to see um, Luke Skywalker, the way we all remember him. And I love the way they they had Mark Hamill do the voice and the way they de-aged his face, make him look like Luke would have looked in 83. That entire scene was just phenomenal. I can't say enough about it. Incredible. And when, when he comes in and takes a uh, baby Yoda and baby Yoda doesn't want to leave without seeing the Mandalorian's face. And he takes off his helmet again for for Yoda, I mean for Grogu, and he takes off his helmet so he can see his face, and and Baby Yoda touches his. Oh my God! I was like, this is just. You got Luke. You got the goodbye scene. You had this massive battle. Uh, I can't say enough about it. I was blown away. I was floored by the excellence of this episode, by everything about it. And did you guys notice? where I picked up the scene. Did you notice the music they were playing in the background? I'm a stickler for music. It got Mm -hmm. me. As soon as I heard the Luke Skywalker theme as he was slicing and dicing and showed up on the bridge, I was just in heaven because they got it perfect. You always hear me talk about the music, how awesome Jeff Russo is on Discovery. I, they got the music cues in this episode Spot on perfect. I mean, I was bawling like a baby. I, wow. Okay, I've said enough. Uh, Charles, Eric, somebody want to jump in here okay. before I start bawling like a baby? Yeah, let me, well, okay, let, let's set the scene up a little bit. We're sitting there dealing with the dark troopers. They've finally got our villain trapped. And here come the dark troopers to save them. And they're just about to take the door down. These these troopers just come in and just pound this protective shield door. And it's like, okay, it's over. How can we how are we gonna end this one? They're gonna they're definitely gonna die in this one. And all of a sudden all of them just stop. And you think Okay, what's going on? And they look at the camera, and here comes this X-wing just come and land right in the bay. 
nobody's there to defend the bay because all the stormtroopers have been wiped out. And all of a sudden, this entity just starts appearing and just starts slicing through all these dark troopers. It's like, even the Mandalorian has problems fighting a dark trooper. And yet this entity just comes in and just starts cutting through them and just starts tossing them, tossing like toys. And then he just works his way up to the, up to the bridge. And Mandalorian says, open the door. And they're like, but we're scared to open the door. It's like, he's like, no, open the door. He goes and opens the door and in walks Luke. And you're like, wow. Now that's a way to solve the situation. That's a way to finish the, finish the season. It was just, it was a great yeah. action to have at that point of somebody actually able to defeat all these dark troopers. Just was an incredible scene. And see all these, you knew the way he was throwing these around. It's like, oh, that has to be a Jedi. Only a Jedi could sit there and have the power over these troopers. It was just a great way of ending that episode. You know, I thought it would have been great if he said, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. But he never identified himself. <laughs> but we all knew who he was. <laughs> we yeah. all knew who he was. And I think we didn't, I, we didn't, most of us did not even need to see the green lightsaber. We knew as soon as we saw an X-Wing, we're like, oh boy, here it comes. Um, but I, but I will say that my favorite part of the clip that you played, Jim, um, you made reference to at the end there, and I'll just say that I personally think this is the best, the absolute best scene, um, the entire season, hands down, and it's because it actually shows growth in the character. And we're talking about the portion of this scene where Mando takes off his helmet and shows it to Grogu. And remember that all throughout the season, we've and last season, we've learned that Mando is, you know. He's this hardcore Mandalorian, not like Bo-Katan, but, but maybe part of another sect now, we think, uh, but who's, who, who is pretty strict about his dogma. You know, he keeps his helmet on no matter what. Uh, we see him last season remove it one time, but he sort of is able to make an excuse that the, the thing that sees him isn't alive. It's the IG-11 uh, droid, so maybe, maybe that's okay. Well, this season, he, he does it twice, right? And he does it he does it once as a stormtrooper when they're trying to figure out where Grogu is. And then he does it once here because Grogu essentially asks him to, he looks at him and he touches his helmeted face and, and he, he asks him to take it off so he can see him. And so he does. And so I think that that just hits me so hard because what it shows is that this guy um, who not only has an extremely personal connection to Grogu because of his own childhood trauma. We've learned about that, about he, his parents were killed. You know, droids came and grabbed him. Uh, he was eventually saved by some Mandalorians, but he has this super personal connection because he sees a lost child, a lost foundling who needs a home. And that's what this whole deal has been about is him trying to find that home. So he's evolved as a character and he's willing to give up things like, portions of his strict adherence to dogma because he realizes that it's more important in that moment that Grogu actually see his face and form this really personal connection with him than, 
then he just follow the rules, right? The rules don't matter at that point. What matters is the person-to-person connection. And I just, uh, that's what really hit me in the feels about this, um, this particular scene. I thought it was so good, so well acted, and I agree the music was just right there. It just pulled the emotion right out of the scene. So I loved this scene so, so much, and I'm so happy we got to talk about it straight away because, like, eating your dessert first. Woohoo! <laughs> and and let, let's talk a little bit about I mean because I think that that Luke Skywalker scene sealed everything. But let's talk a little bit about the rest of it. So mm-hmm. uh, Bo-Katan is offered the dark saber, but will not take it uh, mm-hmm. from uh, the Mandalorian because she hasn't earned it in combat, and that's a little bone of contention. Um, I do not follow any of the extended, I just, uh, universe stuff. Um, so, you know, that whole thing means nothing to me. But I do know, I do remember from uh, Rebels that um, uh, What's-Her-Face there had the Darksaber. Um, help me out, guys. The Mandalorian uh, well, girl well, on Rebels. Yeah, well, both 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 no, Bo-Katan got it from the character on Rebels, uh, whose name oh, escapes uh, me right now. Oh, shoot. Uh, oh, my gosh, I'm yeah. forgetting it, too. <laughs> the one who wears the purple Mandalorian outfit on Rebels. Yeah, uh, Sabine. Her. Sabine. Sabine, yeah. Sabine stole it from Darth, from Darth Maul and gave right. it to Bo-Katan, who in, somehow lost it to uh, Moff Gideon. And so when the Mandalorian offers it back to her, she will not take it, but she took it on Rebels. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what they're setting up mm-hmm. there. They're setting something up. But I also, I also want to talk a little bit about uh, Moff Gideon. When he sees Luke Skywalker, he is terrified. He's so scared mm-hmm. that he tries to kill himself. And Cara Dune stops him. So Luke Skywalker has become uh, a legend amongst uh, ex-Imperials to the point where he was going to kill himself just to not have to face Luke Skywalker. That says a lot about Luke Skywalker and where he stands in the universe at this point in time. So I thought that the, yeah. the moving of the story ahead was, was really, really well executed at this point. Bo-Katan is going to use the Star Destroyer that she captured to retake Mandalorian, and I'm, I'm thinking that this is the direction the story is going to go in for the next season. But uh, Fennec is also on the Star Destroyer, and uh, I hope you guys stayed to the end of the episode. I mm-hmm. hope. You're dead. Because yeah, you're there's, dead. Another, there's a spoiler that I'm going to throw in there now, and that's called the Book of Boba Fett. Dun, 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 dun. So as if you thought we didn't have enough to talk about, there wasn't enough greatness in this episode, guess again. You should have known when the episode didn't end with the storyboards like it always does, but the screen yeah. went to black, we heard the theme song, and you knew something was coming, and come it did. Boba Fett and Fennec break into what's left of Jabba's palace, to find an engorged Bib Fortuna sitting on the throne. And they, they kill all the guards. They kill Bib Fortuna and Jabba the, and, uh, 
Boba Fett sits down in Jabba's throne, and now he's in control of Jabba the Hutt's um, evil, dark, underbelly um, organization. And uh, there's going to, I've, from what I've read, there's going to be four episodes of the Book of Boba. I think it was four. Was it four or six? I don't remember. Not as many episodes of the Book of Boba Fett as there was of Mandalorian. It's going to be a very short-run series from what I've been reading. It's going to be like a, a mini-series, you know, four 30-minute episodes. Or was it six? I'm not sure. But we are going to see the Book of Boba Fett next Christmas. So that, as if we didn't have enough going on, we got to talk about Boba Fett. So what did you guys think about the Boba Fett reveal? I thought it was super cool because uh, it's almost like Boba returning to the scene of the crime. I mean, the last time we saw him uh, in league with these guys, uh, he was on a skiff, uh, and he was he was working for the bad guys, and he got himself thrown into a Sarlacc pit. And so uh, I think that this Boba has got some uh, scores to settle, Uh <laughs> And I think that he's in a pretty darn good position of power. He's now got the experience. He has survived a Sarlacc pit, which I doubt many people have done. Uh, And he's got Fennec by his side. Uh, So I, for one, think that he is going to um, get some stuff done on Tatooine. The thing about it is that, you know, he he did just take over, as you were saying, Jim, this criminal enterprise, so to speak. Uh, But Boba, or excuse me, Jabba, or excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then Fortuna, I guess now, uh, was the was the most uh, or is is likely still one of the most powerful uh, you know entities on Tatooine, and so we're going to actually I think get to see Boba shape the face of Tatooine a little bit. You know, Tatooine may become uh, maybe different. I don't know. The thing about it is that if it were Star Trek, I would say that they would take it and they would they would unabashedly make big changes to it and have really good reasons for it. In the Star Wars universe, and I think that people would get upset if Tatooine all of a sudden wasn't the, uh, you know, center of the seedy underbelly. <laughs> but we, we also know that Boba is, you know, he's brutal, but he's also not a bad guy. I mean, he helped Mando, uh, and I don't think he did it because he felt like he owed him something. I think he helped him because he wanted to help him. So I, for one, am very interested to see uh, what that short series brings, because Boba's always been one of my favorite characters, and I love how they're fleshing out the details now. What about you, Charles? Well, I think you forgot one point in it. They go in, and they start shooting all the guards, but they see the slave girl there tied up just mm-hmm. like Leia was, and he goes and blasts the chain and tells her to go. Yeah. Yeah. But it was definitely a interesting. It's been interesting a lot of topics because I thought this might replace the Mandalorian series. Now it's like theories. But there's no recording date for Mandalorian season three yet. So we're gonna have to wait and see what happens with them. But with Disney doing so many Star Wars series right now. We're going to get, we're probably going to have a lot of discussion all the way up to when this comes out. 
I think there's going to be a lot happening up to that point because I have a feeling a couple of series are going to get out before this one gets released. Yeah, in fact, if you look at the time frame of that all, Charles, the Book of Boba Fett is not supposed to be released until December of 2021. And, you know, it's very possible that Mandalorian Season 3 might come after that. Uh, And I read one article that said it would follow pretty soon after that. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a wait. So we've got a year's worth of uh, either Star Wars drought or something else has to come out first. (laughs) So let me backtrack well, a little bit to a couple of things. Let me backtrack a couple of things. One, what do people think of the mem of Luke re- releasing, taking Vader's helmet off and Baby Yoda with with uh, Mandalorian taking his helmet off? I thought that was an interesting hmm. comparison of the two. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Can we make another shout-out? Absolutely. Can we we prove that Star Trek Mandalorian can keep a secret? (laughs) Absolutely. From what I heard, that that Luke Skywalker scene was recorded a month ago, and nothing got leaked out about it. A year ago. A year ago, they said. No, I said right a month ago. I think it was recorded at least a good month ago. Because the article that I read said they had recorded it The article I read said they recorded it before the COVID hit, which would have been a year ago. Nine months? But either way. Or so? Either way. Could you imagine keeping that secret? hidden from everybody and and not it ever getting leaked out. We didn't know until the episode came out that it happened. Now, before we have to take our, our next break, uh, what would you score this episode on a score of one to 10, Charles? Oh, I think I'm going to give this one a nine. This was definitely, I think a highlight of the season. Nine. How about you, Eric? Uh, can I do what some of our listeners do and give it a 100? Because that's what I feel about it. <laughs> so uh, scaling back to reasonable amounts of, of scoring, uh, it's a 10 for me. I don't think that it can really get any better than this. I really don't. I think it's amazing. I'm right there. I, I am there with you uh, with a 10 all the way. And the reason why I want to give this one a 10 is because I think the reason why a lot of these Star Wars movies that we've seen, the prequels and the trequels or whatever you want to call them, have been so panned or they've caused such a skirmish in the Star Wars community is because they never have picked up or told the stories that we as 12 and 13-year-olds want to see. And they touched on that with Rogue One, which was a huge success, and that's because of the time frame where they picked it up, you know, right there. And I think that's the part of the Star Wars universe that the majority of the fans want to know about, and that's the part of the Star Wars universe that nobody wants to tell us about. Well, guess what? They're doing it. We just saw that with the Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker. We're going to see it with Boba Fett. We're going to see it with Obi-Wan. We're going to see it with Ahsoka Tana. 
Um, they have Hayden Christensen coming back to be Darth Vader, which hopefully will give us some flashbacks to maybe the Ahsoka Tana Darth Vader showdown. But I think that the time frame after Return of the Jedi, right in that area, I think that's where most of us want to play. That's where our teenage selves and our, you know, were. And I think that they've touched on that, and that's why they're so, these are so successful is because of where they chose to put them. So, yeah, I'm with you, a 10 all the way. And one more thing that uh, we'll talk about this in more detail later, but with, with all the new Star Trek that's on the plate, and there's a lot coming out, with all the new Star Wars that's going to be hitting soon, I'm not sure that we have enough time in the show to cover everything. So we may have to do a special, do a uh, uh, Star Wars talking show where we just want to talk about these Star Wars shows or um, I don't know. We'll talk about it off air and see what we want to do. But just putting these eight episodes of Mandalorian in really crimped a lot of our Star Trek content. And I'm not sure if we want to continue to do that. Just want to throw that out there. But at any rate, we have to take our next commercial break. So we've talked about the Mandalorian in great length and detail. Our phone lines are still open, 646-668-2433. I'd still love to give a away an awesome autographed picture of the one and only Leslie Hoffman, but you got to give us a call. And uh, I want to let you guys know, run, don't walk to the bathroom, whatever you do, don't touch that dial because we, we already talked about Mando, but that's not all. We have an awesome episode of Star Trek Discovery to discuss as well. And another awesome character uh, left, and we found out about a classic character on Star Trek as well. Don't touch your dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back after we hear this message from our very good friend of ours. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way and they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith, not your call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is now now You can reach us right now we got faith. We got faith. Faith that you call. That was our very own Eric. And uh, if you guys like that, I think you're going to like what we have for you to start off the new year. So, anyways, this is where we, we hear what the fans have to say before we share our opinions. So, I have to warn you guys first. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- That's right. We're going to talk about Terra Firma Part 2, and here's the trailer. Everyone can see how weak you become. It doesn't have to be this weak. No! Mother! 
We must leave behind all of that which destroys us. They will kill you. We have an empire to rule. I've seen who you can be, Michael. I've seen what this world can be. And it is luminous. So before we talk about Terraforma Part 2, I like to know what our fans think about it. And we like to give fan shout-outs to our individual fans. And for that, we rate the scale 1 to 10 like we always do, and we pick some lucky fans and see what they think about it. So, Eric, what do our fans have to say about this week's episode? Uh, we got some good stuff here. Top fan Darren Cole says, definitely a 9, a fantastic episode, best of the season by far. Uh, Jennifer Floyd follows up with, also a nine, was awesome to see Leonard Nimoy integrated into the show and having the time portal in the last one from the original series was great. Kind of brings them all together. Michael Kensel said, 9.5342 dot dot dot. (laughs) Awesome episode. Uh, Lyra Storms is right up there too. A nine. We'll definitely miss Giorgio's badassery and her complicated relationship with Michael. Looking forward to seeing her journey in Section 31. And finally, uh, from my list, Brendan C. Marcy says, probably a solid seven. This episode was infinitely better than the previous garbage they were peddling this season, e.g. episodes three and four. Sanctuary and Unification were decent. This season, on the whole, is a mess. Charles, what does your group have to say? Well, I've got Mark Zoli, of course. A 10. So good to see Guardian Planet used so well as a major plot device. David Casson, 10. I guess the Guardian, the minute of that, that scene opens, Giorgio is Star Trek's best new character contribution. Jamie Harrison, 7. I'm not a fan of Mirror Universe stuff. It didn't affect anything going on into the light universe. And we didn't get to see any answers for the burn. Riza H. Aha Shimi 10. It was nice to see Guardian again. Oh, and he couldn't introduce himself without the echo. But I wonder <laughs> where and when did he center? Nick Love, 9 for me. I don't think this was the last we'll see of Giorgio. Jim, what about your fan? So my bunch will start off with top fan Mark Roberts, who said 10. However sad that we lose the Emperor from the series. However, I look forward to Section 31. Uh, Yeah, Section 31, we talked about this before. They told us at the beginning of Season 1 that Section 31 wouldn't happen until the end of Season 3. So here we are at the end of Season 3. So it's no big surprise that Giorgio is going to be on Section 31. We just don't know where, when. Well, now we know the how. We're just going to have to stay tuned. So Jim Mason says 10, one of the top Discovery episodes. Hopefully we get Yo back in a spinoff. CJ Keenan says 9, it's the best, but I will miss this badass. She was my hero. I I notice a lot of people, I think – Giorgio has definitely become... There's a theme here. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I think uh, based on our well, fan Jim, recognition, I think Section 31 is going to be pretty popular. Can, 
not that many people can kick somebody who's standing behind them in the face. <laughs> oh, my God, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> this is true. And uh, Garrett Winter says, a firm eight. It was a nice send-off for Giorgio. I hope we get to find out someday what became of her. I have a feeling we will. I hated the Taryn Burnham. She was glad to see her get her just desserts. And last but not least, uh, Lorenzo Obi-Wan Abadinah says, 10. I will be annoyed and full of fanboy rage as Section 31 with her most imperial majesty, mother of the fatherland, overlord of the Vulcan, dominus of Kronos, Regina Andor, Emperor Giorgio Augustus Laponius Centarius is not made. Well, I think you're going to get your wish, Lorenzo, because I'm pretty sure um, I had an article to post that they were already working on scripts for that show. Once we get back to our Star Trek news next week, I'll try to find some more information to pass along to you guys. So that's what our fans thought. So what did we think? You guys ready to dive right in? Let's do it. Well, don't you want to find, don't you want to know what the fans the fans vote was? Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Our average. That's right. What what? Yeah. What was our fan average? Uh, you got a drum, Jim. You got a drum roll. Um. Yep. Hold on. Drum roll. Here we go. Episode ten was a nine point one. Is the highest wow. score of wow. the season so far. Wow. That's unsurprising, <laughs> but that's a pretty high score. That well, is. with most of our most of our people who don't like Discovery not voting this week, we got a high score out of it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's wow. So yeah, so this episode, uh, actually, I'm kind of gl- I did not watch this episode before last week's show, so um, I was with the rest of you guys on this one. So that was pretty cool. So I, I do have a couple of clips I want to play and talk about. And the first one I want to play for you guys is a character that has that a lot of fans have been asking for, a, fan, a character that's been missing from a lot of the season. But we know that she's around. And um, and here she is. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to call this episode Jet. And left to hack. Well, something is still sending out that distress call and repeat. We need more power. I'm rerouting an additional 10% from non-essential systems. Stop stealing my power supply. I haven't seen you since the dawn of time. Where the hell have you been? Realizing my lifelong dream of taking us from plasma to fully polaric warp conduits. And I was yay close until you two geniuses sucked the power out of my backup cells. Well, this is important. Saru has given us eminent allocation clearances. For what? We're using long-range sensors to hack into a, a crashed ship. You're, you're not allowed to have food in here. This isn't food. It's candy. It's practically an accessory. I've got it. I figured out why you couldn't hack into the ship. Um, what are you... I read the field manual. The static is happening on the space subspace barriers. That's why you're using all your juice trying to punch through. None of this is in the field manual. Got interesting, so I moved on to the technical manual to see what happened next. What I found out is that you guys don't know that you can amplify your signals within subspace. You're not allowed food in here. But you can, you can do that? Mm-hmm. 
Couriers travel to points of the galaxy where subspace relays are few and far between. We use range extenders to amplify weak signals. So this is an emerald chain tool? One of the benefits of doing business with them. Oh, Captain said, make myself useful. I made myself useful. It worked. Our sensors are holding a link to the ship. We're gathering data now. Well, I mean, if I'd had emerald chain technology, you could just say thank you. Biologically impossible. Yeah. If he tried, his DNA would unravel like a hormonal teenager. Yeah, get my check and wash the car. Okay, Dad. Did you believe? So we have the return of Jet Reno in a really, really funny way here. Charles, what did you think about the return of Jet? Were you happy to see her back? Oh, definitely. We haven't had enough Jet this year. But I think it's this scene also really put Book in a position that, hey, Book, i got to prove myself to Discovery to be considered worthy. I think Book took his first step to being worthy of helping Discovery by helping them out with his tools. And it really was, it was a true Reno, Sta, Reno Stamets scene. Just these two back over, and it, you hear later on, somebody walks in, and you're not supposed to be eating it here. But I love the joke where she's just sitting there eating licorice. And it was just hilarious. And it's like, that. We're sad not to get more of her this season. But we sure get some great snippets of her coming in. It's like, oh, yep. More jet, just where we need her. And definitely a good act. Definitely a good scene. And it was, this scene definitely leads to a very interesting link. It's like, oh. I, I agree. The, <laughs> The snapping of the licorice when she says, this is not food. This is candy. It's an accessory. It's just perfect jet. Per- perfect jet. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, what did you think about cool the return of scene. jet, Eric? Were you, were you glad to see her yeah. back again? Yeah, I was absolutely glad to see her back. And, you know, it's, it's been, it was cool because when she came in, you know, Samus <laughs> uh, immediately was like, where have you been? And that is the question that we've all kind of been asking, right? Where has she been? And so it's cool that she's been kind of working on this new project, um, whatever a Polaric Warp conduit is. uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome when she gets it all figured out. The the coolest thing about this scene is how they all are – it's a very Star Trek scene because they're all outsmarting each other uh, because we've got, um, you know, we've got Adira and Stamets kind of working on something really important. And then Reno comes in and she's like, yeah, well, everything you just did is junk because it ruined all the more important stuff that I was doing. And then Book comes in and he's like, hey, everything you guys are doing doesn't make any sense. Let's throw down some Emerald Chain technology and really kick this up a notch. He read a field manual and a technical manual in order to give input in this meeting. <laughs> I mean, that is some 31st century brain power right there, man. So, Or 32nd century brain power. So I just thought that was really a fun part of the scene, but I am so glad to see Jet back. I would love to see as much of her character as possible. She, she's snarky, but she's not snarky in an annoying way. She, she brings humor, I think, to scenes, and that's one of the things that we've, we've all always liked, uh, I think, about Star Trek, is little injections of humor here and there. She really brings that to the table. So I hope they, I hope they give us more Jet. Absolutely. She, she, 
it was great to see her to see her back again. And I, I love that whole scene. Like you said, they're all working together. Uh, they're all in engineering. They're trying to solve a problem. Each one of them is coming up with a better solution. And in walks Book, who throws all their ideas out. So, <laughs> so and I, like, I really that just showed how cool he is, right? It was like, uh, no, I read this manual, and it didn't give me the information I needed, so I read another manual. And then here's some technology you guys don't know about. So have I proved my worth yet? <laughs> It, it kind of reminded me yeah. of uh, when Khan read all the tech manuals on the Enterprise and Space Seed, and then he was able to take over the whole ship. You know? Yes, absolutely. I thought that was yep. pretty, pretty cool. But, yeah, I, and I really like I, – I, it's so glad. I'm so happy that we see Jet Reno because now, you know, she's still there, and it's great to see her. And and the scene where she says, well, Stamets couldn't apologize. He would unravel like a, like a teenager. <laughs> 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 that was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next scene that I want to play for you guys is a scene just entitled Saru. Something amiss, Emperor? Not at all. Everything is unfolding as I'd hoped. You and Captain Burnham have come quite a long way over these last months. You must be pleased. I'd only ever wish to rule with her. And now I shall. You will remain with me rather than return to her service. I'm afraid that will not be possible, Emperor. In the end, I regret that I will not remain here with you. Baharai is coming for me. Who told you that? I feel it. It would do me the greatest honor if you would be the one to call me. I would do no such thing. I apologize for overstepping. I never should have. Baharai is not an end. Emperor? When the madness comes, lock yourself away. In a few days' time, you will still be alive, and you will be changed forever. But that is merely a fable. I have witnessed it myself. How, how is that possible? I knew a Kelpian once, in another time, another place. His name was Saru. He survived Faharai, and it made him stronger. He was a captain of a starship. He must have traveled far beyond the Empire, placing a great deal of trust in me. My corpse would already be eaten to bones if I could not accurately judge between loyalty and flattery. Your regret was genuine when you thought you were leaving me here, as was your pain when your comrade fell. He... he would have lived. My sister, my family, they would all still... Survive. That is how you honor them. Teach others what you know. That is how you avenge them. 
You are not Karen. Of course I am. The way you speak? Enough. Please. Return to where you are from, Emperor. Should you fail to do what is expected of you, they will kill you. This is my home. Now and forever. And I will make it what it needs to be. That is how I will survive. Do you understand? I, I believe so, Emperor. Leave me to my bath. So, wow. This, this I think, is the defining moment of Emperor Giorgio. And I think this is, this is the, 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 the beginning of the end of her redemption, I think. Uh, the way she yeah. talks about Saru, the way he refer, she refers to Saru with admiration and respect, and the way she's talking to the mirror Saru, who doesn't have a name, by the way. He's just another Kelpian. And she's telling the mirror Saru about the prime Saru. And um, I just, it's, a, it's an incredibly uh, beautiful scene. It's, it's beautifully acted. It's well-written. And it's, it's a very powerful, very meaningful scene. And it, it really defines the character of, of Giorgio. Um, what do you think, Eric? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I thought that the this was a real mentoring moment for um, for Giorgio to Saru, uh, and it's a moment where you see how the Prime Universe has changed her. Um, you know, prob- primarily her relationship with Michael, I think, but but even her relationship with all of the other characters on the Discovery. Um, she has seen what Saru can become. And, and throughout this whole episode, she keeps talking to Michael. We'll talk about this a little later, but about how she has seen another way to rule. She's seen the way that it can be. And her experiences in the prime universe have really uh, informed how she's now proceeding in this, uh, in this episode. What's, what's very interesting to me, I guess. So the first time I saw it, I really, really liked this, the end of the scene, not only the part where she's talking to Saru, but the part where she's, she's talking about how she's going to make the universe in the way that she, that she wants it to be, and that's how she's going to survive. Then the second time I watched it, I realized that, you know, she hadn't survived, uh, spoiler alert, uh, and, then, and so then that confused me, but then I watched it a third time, and I thought to myself, okay, what she's saying in this scene is that the actions that she's taking right now in the mirror universe are going to have consequences. They're going to have ripple effects. Uh, one of them is Saru directly here, but certainly Saru is now going to go out and, uh, and make changes as well. And it's like the candle, you know, you light one candle off of one and then you light two off of those two. And then it, it just multiplies like that. So I think what she's saying here is that she will survive kind of uh, hyperbolically uh, in that her ideals will carry forward into the mirror universe, the ones that she's brought to her, uh, brought brought here from the prime universe. So, I really like the mentoring she does here, and I really like the words that she uses at the end, and how it kind of it gives her this epic uh, nature that I don't think we've seen from her for a little while. Well, since she was the you know back in the old emperor days <laughs> before she came to the prime universe. Really good scene. What about you, Charles? 
I think this game is an interesting tie-in to kind of thinking, okay, at first I kind of wondered with this, are we in the main mirror universe? And as this episode progressed, I kind of started to realize that I'm not sure we're in the exact universe where we met Giorgio the first, uh, Emperor Giorgio the first time. I think it was interesting. Saru definitely proves himself well at the end of this episode. And I think it does show the fact that in this specific universe, I think there is going to be a direction where people get a good chance of change. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's an interesting point because we're going to talk a little bit about the Guardian in our final segment, but he does say that, he says to, to Giorgio, he says, in another mirror universe, a version of you is dying right now, but that's not, that's not meant for you. So obviously, yep. I think Charles is right that, 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 yes, we were in the mirror universe, but not necessarily the mirror universe that we thought we were in. Uh, that there's multiple universes because he says the same thing about Michael Burnham. He says this version of Michael Burnham is right where she needs to be right now. So I think that, and this is something we've touched on before. There's not just a mirror universe. There are multiverses like we see in the Marvel movies. And he can connect to all of them which then brings us to section 31 and where will section 31 be? Will section 31 actually take place in one of these multiverses because Kurtzman did say it would be in a, it would be an interesting place where it, where it took place. Didn't he say that in one of the articles? So he did. I, yeah, we'll have to see if they, they don't give us enough clues here to tell us where she's going back to. So it, it's yeah, still a little bit up right. here, I think. So, yeah, I think that whole scene is, is an interesting play, and uh, he does say that the Saru that she mentored is going to save, make a lot of changes and save a lot of others, so she didn't fail in changing that particular mirror universe. So there's a lot to unravel there, a lot. So um, we got a lot to talk about, which we probably won't get around to. But listen, guys, we have to take our final commercial break of the evening, of the afternoon, of the morning, depending on where you're listening from. Of the day. And when we come, of the day, yes. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the guardian of forever, ever, 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 ever. And uh, the goodbye between Giorgio and Michael Burnham. So don't touch your dial. Don't go away. Run, don't walk to the refrigerator. Grab something to drink. Grab something to eat and come right back because... Trek talking is not over. We still have a lot to talk about. So without any further ado, we're going to hear this very quick commercial break from a really good friend of ours who, who we're missing a lot lately, and we hope we can get him back real soon. Of course, I'm talking about the awesomeness of GM Chris. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 
888-242-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open and will get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. Yes, we do, and we're back, and the phone number here is 646-668-2433, and uh, I'm still waiting to give something away to somebody, but you need to give us a call. Just give us a call, 646-668-2433, and uh, make that happen. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so we talked a little bit about um, Saru and what's going on with him and about Jet Reno. Uh, we didn't talk about the Guardian yet, so let's dive right in and talk about perhaps the biggest tie-in to TOS ever, and that's the Guardian. She's passed through. Philippa? See, that's what you do with doors. You pass through. Philippa? You really got to get yourself up to speed with modern technology. Hey, you all right? What did you do to me? What day is this? Oh, good question. Mm. The winds are a-shifting, it seems. Who are you? Carl, we're old friends, remember? What are you? Okay, okay. He sent me back to tower. I was there for months. Okay, you're disoriented, that's all. You've been right here. Was any of it real? Tell me. The answer to that is on your wrist, Emperor. Para, three months worth of bio data points in here. That's impossible. You were unconscious for less than a minute. She would have been back when who's been here with us for this past minute. We have so many selves. There's a version of you that's breathing your last breath in a mirror universe. But that version doesn't fit so well anymore, does it? Ah! Oh, I thought you said going through the door would help her. Can't just live in doorways. Who are you? Really? Really? I am the Now, come on, did that? Did you not just jump <laughs> off your couch as much as you did when you saw Luke Skywalker in the Mando? <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. It was so cool. And it really, somebody had said a couple weeks ago or maybe last week about maybe integrating programmable matter with the Guardian. I kind of thought maybe that's what we were seeing there because this door explodes and then it becomes the traditional Guardian portal that we see. It was so cool. It was awesome. I, I just, I was like, wow, first Luke, now this. What more could I want? I just, <laughs> just, just, you know, and he even says it right there. There are multiple versions of you. So there you have it. So a lot of people were concerned and were complaining that by the Emperor going back and, and uh, killing Stamets and not killing Michael when she did and then killing her later and, and that it changed the future. 
it changed the past, which would change Discovery Season 1. Well, that's not the case because I think it's safe to assume that the mirror universe that she went to was not the same one that she came from. I think the Guardian makes that clear in this comment here. So we now have an alternate mirror universe where things are going to happen differently than they did the first time through. So, so we don't have to worry about unraveling season one at this point, but uh, yeah. So Eric, what did you think about the guardian? Well, I thought it was pretty interesting and I like a lot of things on discovery have done from older versions of Star Trek. They just kind of updated it and made it more interesting. So, um, you know, for anybody who remembers back to the TOS episode, City on the Edge of Forever, the Guardian was sort of this um, this portal that uh, that Kirk and Spock go to check out. It it has uh, it, it sort of flips through time periods and uh, different parts of history and that sort of stuff. And in that way, it kind of has a pattern and. You know, Spock is able to figure out the pattern and jump through the portal at the right time to do what they need to do. You can go watch that uh, episode if you haven't seen it. You probably, you probably should. This Guardian is a little bit different. Um, what we see is almost like the, um, you know, a Christmas Carol here. We get a little preview of what could be going on. Um, we get, is it a duplication or a connection of two beings from across universes to each other? I tend to think that what we're seeing, you know, we, we see Michael says, okay, nobody left. You've been here the whole time. You've been passed out. All you did was walk through this empty door. Philippa gets months and months worth of biodata built up on her bracelet, and she experiences many, many things. So I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing that the guardian of forever is not just a, a time portal. And by the way, his discussion of the way they treated him and the way they tried to use him during the temporal wars I thought that was really, really interesting, and I could talk about probably just that for about a half an hour. But um, what we see is that uh, the he's kind of like this thing that allows all of these time periods and now we know universes connect together. And I think what we're seeing, you know, we've always kind of known that a character and its mirror universe counterpart have a synergy. Back in the day, we used to think they just switched places. Then we found out later that maybe they don't just switch places. We can actually have them in the same universe at the same time. Now we're seeing a, a further evolution of that idea where we know everybody there is connected maybe through the Guardian or maybe the Guardian can just take you there, but everybody is connected to their other selves in this infinite universe of possibilities. Just a really, really cool idea. Um, and as I was saying, you know, the whole idea that he was used – uh, for nefarious reasons or, or, you know, people were trying to get a hold of him and, and use him during the temporal cold wars. That in and of itself to me is a good explanation for why he's so different from the way that he was back in TOS. You know, now he's got this personification of his character, Carl, that we didn't have before. We've got that the portal isn't a static portal. It can change shapes. It can look like different things. It looks like a wooden door in this one, but it can, but it can change. You know, we haven't seen the Guardian for a thousand years. And so, like any being, I got to believe that he would evolve over that thousand years. And we would get a different Guardian from the one that we see in TOS. So, I really liked the evolution of his character. I liked how it gave Philippa this sort of glance uh, into 
what could be uh, in a mirror universe, but it does seem like that mirror Philippa's, uh, her death might be one of those fixed points in time. You know, we talk about fixed points in time that can't move sometimes. Uh, maybe that's one. Maybe she had to die no matter what. But I love this version of the Guardian slash Carl. I think, I think it's really interesting and just uses all of the old stuff in new and interesting ways. Charles, what about you? What do you think about the new Guardian? Well, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I thought back to the original episode in TOS. And when the three of them returned back through the Guardian, back through the portal, and Kirk's, Kirk's basically, we've been gone for months. And Scotty replies, mm-hmm. he just left. Yep. The time period, it just, what's months, months for us is just a moment in time for the Guardian. Just like we had that with Picard. When Picard spent an entire life with that one civilization. Mm-hmm. And yet it the was. In our light episode. Inner light, yep. and that was just that was a few that was just a few short. I was just a few hours. So we know Star Trek can play with time, but I love how the Guardian says, "Well, this was all a test." Yeah, and that she proved she passed the test. That she was no longer the person. <clears throat> that she was back when we first met the Emperor. That she is a lot... She's she's not the same person anymore. She's got a little more humanity to her. She's not looking just for death. She is looking for... <clears throat> she is looking for change and change for good, not for just evil. But definitely, I love the Mirror Universe side because <clears throat> we got to so meet some of the characters and really see how vicious Michael Burnham was, how she grew yeah. up, and how vicious she was. She was willing to sit there and kill. Okay, go kill your conspirators. Yes, Mother, I will. And in cold blood, just can easily kill off so many people. Definitely and then kill Detmer. Kill Detmer. And I also want to point out something that people might not be aware of, that this marks the third time in Star Trek history that we actually see the Guardian of Forever. Eric, what was the second right. time that we saw the Guardian? Uh, well, uh, we see him in the uh, Next Generation uh, episode uh, also that um, that Charles was just talking about that I have now forgotten the name of. <laughs> no, I thought I was talking about the TOS episode. Yeah, we, we see the Guardian in the animated series episode yesteryear oh, with Spock, where Spock oh, goes right. back and becomes his own relative. Um Excellent That's episode right. Oh, of the that, animated series. Oh, that was the okay. That was the guy. I didn't forgot. That was the Guardian. It was also the Guardian. Yep. Yeah. So check that out if you have not. If you're interested in the Guardian, 
you want to watch The Guardian of Forever, and you want to watch TAS episode yesteryear, which is a phenomenal yep. episode, by the way. Okay. So I got one more clip I want to play for you guys that we could talk yeah. about, and it's a good one. And I'm just going to entitle this clip, Goodbye. What's a Guardian of Forever? Why haven't we heard of you? I'm in hiding. I'm a space-time portal, you might say. You know, back in the day, it used to be, sure, come on through. Just don't screw up history or you'll have to fix it. And then the temporal wars happened and everyone was killing everyone else. And trying to use me to do it. <sighs> Wasn't pretty. But here I am. Officially elsewhere. Nowhere near my original coordinates. Huh. Only an intelligence with over 100,000 years of history and access to current Federation databases could possibly extrapolate your location. I like that. The sphere data. For all the good it's done. I'm still dying. Why? You weren't sent back to be cured. You were sent back to be weighed. Weighed? Tested to see if she'd make different choices. To see if this time here had changed her at all. Why didn't you just tell me? What, give you the answer before the test? You're a tricky case, Philippa. You don't belong here now. But to send you somewhere else might cause just as many problems. So you had to be weighed to figure out your course. Oh, let me guess. I was found to be lacking. Now, why would you say that? I killed my daughter again. But in fairness, your hands were tied. The end was the same. But you tried. I failed. Her. The Empire. Yeah. But, you know, this time through, you tried for peace. You saved a Kelpian. And you didn't have to do that. And he'll save others. A lot of them. So you will help her? Oh, come on. No one said anything about sending you back there. I'm going to send you back to a time when the mirror universe and the prime universe are still aligned. That's so you won't fall apart, atomically speaking. Consider yourself lucky you're getting a second shot. I mean, that's pretty unique, but it won't be easy. The paper says the forecast will be bumpy and painful. Lots of rainstorms, heartaches. But that's life, or so I'm told. Can Michael come with me? Afraid not. This Michael Burnham is right where she needs to be. When you're ready, just walk on through. sentenced me to death and you brought me to this universe in truth the greater part of me was already dead 
you gave me new life. And the rest of your crew isn't so bad either. <laughs> I've seen that some endings are inevitable. Mine, Captain Burnham. Perhaps your Philippa was destined for her end as well. You are my Philippa. Vital. I mean, what I feel for you belongs to you. No one else. I wish I learned all this before now. I had a chance once, long ago. He was called Hassan. I wish I told you about him. Tell the people you're about to meet now. Never find another like you. I don't think I will. But we owe it to ourselves to try. era is different, more Terran than where you came from. Saru has navigated Discovery admirably, but he's not the only one who's suited for the captain's chair. You have always been far greater than you could imagine, Michael. So have you, Philip. Giorgio goes to section 31. So, what was it from Derek? So, your thoughts? Well, I think that the the goodbye was really touching, actually. Um, You know, it was kind of a summary of all that Michael and Philippa have learned from each other uh, over the last um, couple of seasons here. And it obviously shows how um, Philippa has changed over time. I mean, she asks Carl if she can take Michael with her, um, which is definitely not something that uh, previous Emperor Georgia would have ever even considered. Um, I really like where her character has ended up in terms of her journey throughout the series and going to uh, Section 31. I think I have some reservations about the, her character arc, though, because I feel like she's been salty and and very emperor-like up until just maybe even the last couple of episodes. It's almost like um, changes were happening along the way, but they were subsurface and you never saw them, uh, and they didn't really write the changes into previous episodes that much. This one, obviously, she's really, really different. You can see the end of her kind of discovery arc here. I mean, I think there's still more character growth to go in section 31, but, um, but she's changed quite a bit over the last couple episodes. I think that's okay. Um, 
the other thing I'll say is that this also puts the guardian in a different position than he's been before. This almost puts him in more, and I, I hate to say this because this was the other theory about uh, before he was confirmed as a guardian, but or as the guardian uh, forever, but it almost puts him in a Q-like position where he's judge and jury and in some respects, uh, you know, also decides the, uh, whether you are executed or sent on somewhere else. And in fact, he says that very specifically here. Philippa has been weighed, um, and she has not been found to be lacking. She's been found to be very valuable. So it, it just it kind of deepens the mystery of the Guardian to me a little bit. To me, it's so much more of an interesting character now um, than the ones that we that we saw in TOS and TAS. So I, I liked this scene. It was very it was very touching. I think it was a really good send-off. I really like the scene after this one that we'll probably not have time to talk about where everybody's toasting her on the Discovery. That I thought was – I actually like that scene even maybe a little bit better than this one. But this is a very good scene, very touching. Well, before, before I talk to Charles, I just wanted to say that you think way back to the beginning, the very first time we meet George Owen Burnham, they're on yeah. a desert planet. And now the last yeah. time we and see them, they say planet. goodbye, they're on an <laughs> ice planet. And so it, yeah. it shows you, it kind of shows you how, how their relationship, where it has gone and how it's transpired, which I thought was, was a great uh, contrast. Eric or Charles, what do you think about their goodbye scene? Well, I think on Eric's point, I think they purposely made her faulty in the last couple of episodes. I think we wanted to get a opinion of Giorgio before she went to the mirror universe and her return. And I think trying to show, I think she had some character arc in there and I think they were trying to hide the character arc before she went over so we could see that change occur. But definitely definitely an interesting way of turning her and I, I agree I was going to comment the same thing that this was a touching scene but the cruise scene afterwards just kind of got you it's like oh she is gone isn't she <clears throat> and how she and I think was a good view of really how this character has really made a strong character we can see from the fans that this character's gotten more and more popular. People are really liking what Giorgio has done and has become. And I think it's going to be interesting to wait and see what happens to her transforming into the Section 31 series. In fact, Episode 1 may explain what happens to her. And I think that's going to bring a lot of fans in just because they're going to wonder, like, okay, she went to the portal. What did happen? Where'd she end up? And I think that's really going to get people people interested in that series just by the ha- fact of how she got the send-off in Discovery. And, Charles, I think a lot of the comments I've been reading on other Star Trek boards uh, that I visit, a lot of people are like, well, they hate Section 31 because she's a mass murderer, genocidal maniac, and how can Star Trek have a character like that be on a show and, and things along that nature? And I think a lot of those comments 
are coming from haters to begin with that are just looking for any justification to hate a new show without giving it an opportunity to prove itself. I think that the arc that we have seen Emperor Giorgio go on, we've already talked about it. I think she has truly redeemed herself. And I think this episode where she sits down with, with Michael Burnham and Burnham says, Oh, I was craving ganglia. And Giorgio says, well, we don't serve Kelpian anymore. It's high in cholesterol and it's very stringy and they're eating some type of vegetables instead. I think that the character that we see when she steps through the portal is by far not the same character that we saw in the beginning as Emperor Giorgio. And I also think that the one thing that Star Trek teaches us and tells us and that is at its core is besides the idic is redemption. If, if a character, if a person can never be redeemed for what they have done, if they can never change, then what's the point? And I think that the emperor has truly truly changed and i think that what we saw her go through in this last the last two episodes in the mirror universe just proved that and i think that people need to give this show a chance i think it's going to be a phenomenal show and michelle yo is an incredible look she can kick people in the head when they're behind her (laughs) (laughs) and the fight scene was the not the fight scene in the jail cell incredible Wow. Yes. So, oh, man, I love watching. There were two different techniques. They're so cool. I am going to miss Emperor Giorgio, but I'm waiting for Section 31 to see what Michelle Yo. I can't wait to see her dig her acting chops into a show and carry it on her own. I think it's going to be great. So I also want to give a shout-out to Shannon. Shannon's listening to us in Kentucky, and I just want to say that I hope Shannon had a great Christmas, and we look forward to hearing from Shannon again in the not-too-distant future. There's always a chair on the bridge for you, Shannon. So, Eric, what would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10? What would you give this one? Uh, I thought this was a pretty good episode, and I like the end of the Giorgio arc. I think the Giorgio arc kind of kicks it up a notch for me. So I'm going to go – I'm going to give this one an 8.8. 8. How about you, Charles? One to ten. I'm going to agree with the fans on this one. Many of the fans on this one give it a nine. This was definitely a strong episode this season. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm up there. I'm up there with you. I think I, I, my 12-year-old self isn't going crazy like I did when I saw Luke Skywalker with his green lightsaber again. It wasn't that type of excitement. But it was, it was exciting. I think I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with a 9.5. On this one, I think it was really, really good. Well acted, well written. Guardian, a lot of great stuff. So the only thing, no Lorca. Okay, I was a little disappointed because Dayton Ward. We had that little chapter at the end where Lorca's there. I was really looking forward to seeing some Lorca, but you know what, guys? We don't know where Giorgio ended up. We don't know where the Guardian sent her. He did specifically say. I'm sending you back to a place where the mirror universe and the prime universe aren't drifted apart yet. Um, is that a hint? Will, will Giorgio seek out prime Lorca? Will they, will we see him again? Maybe, maybe we can only hope at any rate that wraps up our show. Can you guys believe it? <laughs> wow. Another one. Yeah. So 
We will be back on Thursday, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, we'll be talking about the – what? We'll have to talk about that. Well, we'll be back soon. We are talking about New Year's Eve. Oh, well, yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll <laughs> see. We'll be talking about the episode to call, so you don't want to miss that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Good episode. And you guys want to tune in to Stunt Trucks with myself and the Leslie Hoffman tomorrow, uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but it will be fun. I can guarantee you that. So I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys that's listening around the globe. We really couldn't do the show without you guys. I want to say a huge thank you to my co-host, Eric. Thanks for hanging out and Trek talking with us on this Christmas weekend. Thank you. You bet I had a great time, guys. Thanks. And, of course, thank you to Charles for hanging out, taking some time out of your Christmas holiday spirits and hanging out with us. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Oh, definitely. Just to talk talk sci-fi today. And the chance that I haven't been able to talk about it too a whole lot. A lot of good stuff. A lot of fun. And, of course, thank you to each and every one of you guys that's listening around the globe, especially all you guys in Australia. We really, really appreciate it. We, it means so much to us. Make sure you visit us on Facebook and say hello. You know, tell us where you're from. We'd love to hear from you. And, um, yeah, so I'm your Uncle Jim. I hope you guys had a happy, happy holiday. I hope you had the merriest of Christmas. I hope you stayed safe as well. And uh, hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, all Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.